No my hooky my welcome to another episode of Quite Simply Politics. I am your host Holly. Uh, we have another episode of our election series. I'm joined by an MP uh, who I really respect, have had a lot to do with over the past few years and even before I was a lobbyist um, and was supposed to interview him last week but unfortunately current events got in the way but we will touch on that and that is the MP for Whangaparawa, Mark Mitchell. Welcome. Thanks, Holly. Thank you for having me on. Welcome it, to my podcast. Well, I love being here on your podcast. <laughs> and, and coming up into the office um, this morning, yeah. I I remember that I was here for the opening. Yes. And you've got a plaque there with uh, myself and Penny Hena. Yes. That were here for the opening. And it's yep. so good to see you guys doing so well. You've got a great team here. Thank you. Um, and to be able that must be over a year ago. Two years. It was yeah. two years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so to know that you're doing so well. And this awesome. space didn't look like this when you were no, last it in didn't. it. No, it didn't. You've done well. This is, I'll tell you what, I've been doing a few podcasts. Podcasts seem to be the in thing now, yeah. and I've been doing a few of them, and I have to say that your podcast studio is the best by far. So, well done. <laughs> oh my god, you heard it here first, and then now we're going to get a very easy podcast. <laughs> no hard questions. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. That'd be a change. <laughs> um. We were supposed to do this last week, yeah. and you were out campaigning, and then yep. something happened that got in the way, um, and we don't have to talk about it too much, but it is, I think, indicative of the sort of heightened sense of crime and things that are happening. Can you share with our listeners and watchers uh, sort of what happened last week that meant that we had to postpone um, this episode? Yeah, sure. I mean, and thank you for the text message straight away to say, look, We've seen what's unfolding at the mm. Albany bus station and completely understand if you can't make it. Yeah. I just happened to be down in Albany at the time. Mm. Um, and, of course, uh, it's all, it's hugely unsettling mm. um, for the community. It's it's pretty consistent what we've been seeing yeah. right throughout the whole country in terms of violent crime. Um, it was an awful situation. It was midday at the uh, Albany bus station and um, two commuters were attacked um, by someone with a, with a knife, as it turns out a 16-year-old offender, mm. um, which sadly, up and down this country, there's too many young people now carrying knives, uh, presenting yeah. them and, and wanting to use them. So, yeah, it was it was a tough situation. What What has really happened in your view, and obviously we all live lives with different reflections and different lenses and different communities, but this idea that we need to be weaponised in this country, you know, like why do you think that there's this increased prevalence of, people becoming weaponised. Carrying yeah. weapons. Yeah. Look, I think that you had an incoming government six years ago, and this is just my own view, and they have created a culture of impunity mm. in the country. And by that I mean you don't see any political leaders taking accountability or responsibility for anything. Mm. You don't see in our criminal system now really any consequences or certainly not consequences that are matching the seriousness of the offending. And this has created a very permissive environment mm. where whether it be um, youth and juvenile offenders that are committing ram raids and aggravated robberies, just general disorder and, and street violence, right through to our hardened um, adult gangs mm. that are out there and thinking they can take over public roads, take over towns. I was in Coromandel Town um, you know, last week where a gang had come into town and basically kept them under siege, mm. bashing people, uh, damaging property, stealing um, property, and um, you know, in the towns, people feeling like they couldn't, they didn't really even have freedom of movement mm. around their own town. We saw the same situation in Apodiki, mm. where you had a gang-related homicide, um, and the mongrel mob, six hundred mongrel mob mobsters, arrive in town, schools closing, basically the whole town shut down. They have been operate. They have this Labor government have created a very permissive environment 
for our criminals to operate in. And of mm. course, that has put enormous stress and pressure back on our frontline police officers, and it's inherently made communities feel less safe. Mm. So I want to touch on that because, as you know, and it's one of the things that we definitely bond over, is that you're a former police officer on the front line. I come from a police family. I think about this risk constantly because it is a real thing that you actually have to deal with. Um, what would you say to our police officers right now in terms of what they're having to deal with in terms of the way in which society is essentially unfolding right now? Yeah, I mean, I have enormous respect for all of our police officers, but in particular our frontline police officers who, without a doubt, are having to deal with a huge increase in violence, mm. um, you know, having to deal with firearms incidents just about on a daily basis. We had that active shooter in um, downtown Auckland yeah. recently. I mean, you know, huge respect for our tactical officers, our AOS and STG that responded to that. That was a very difficult situation to deal with. Mm. You had an um, active shooter in a big building with multiple levels, you had uh, members of the public that had already been shot and killed. You had other members of the public that are at risk of being taken hostage. And our AOS and STG members moved through there very quickly, mm. isolated the offender in the um, in the ele elevator shaft and, you know, and, and resolved that and had the best possible outcome we could have had in terms of no further loss of life, no civilians um, mm. taken hostage. They, but on that same day, Holly, there were five other firearms-related incidents they had to deal with that weren't reported. In the media, five. So yeah, so it just gives you an indication of actually what they're having to deal with. Um, it is an extremely difficult environment out for out there for them. I don't think that they've had the best leadership they could have had. Mm. I don't think they really get a sense that anyone's got their back. I think they feel that they're constrained in terms of how they're actually policing, and that they can't roll up over the top of these um, uh, violent gangs. Mm. Um, and I th and I, they don't feel like they're supported by the courts. Um, you know, often they can be out arresting an offender on a Friday night. And that same offender is back out reoffending on Saturday. Mm. So there's a high. I think there's quite a high level of frustration mm. that's currently sitting in the front line. Um, you join the police because you want to serve your community mm. and you want to keep them safe. Mm. Um, and they feel like they're not doing their job properly if they can't get on top of that. Yeah. There's some things that are outside their control, and the things that have been outside their control has been a very soft on crime Labor government that sent all the wrong messages to our um, criminal justice system. So there's one thing that I find extremely abhorrent, which I see, and I value your opinion. Um, it's about this idea that Naparahimana, so the police, uh, and all the officers within it are inherently racist, which as somebody who's proud wahine Māori with a family that's committed to service, as you said, like service to community, I find that one of the most lowest levels of rhetoric that I can see yeah. coming out of politics. What would you say, especially to our Māori and our ethnic officers, in terms of that label being placed on them? Yeah, look, look, I've, so I, I do reject that, and I'm, I'm really pleased to hear you take the same position. I think that um, I'm very proud of our police service, mm. and I, as you said, I had a 14-year policing career. I come from the ranks. Um, I absolutely loved working on the front line. Mm. Most of my service was over in Gisborne, mm. covering from Ruatoria down to Wairau. Mm. Most of it was on the police dog section and the undefended squad. Um, when I was serving out of Gisborne, you know, a, a large proportion of our staff there were Maori mm. that were from the area. Mm. And, um, and I'd have to say that I never witnessed any overt racism mm. 
um, we the police in New Zealand serve without fear or favour, mm. and um, and if there was racism, it would be stamped out very quickly. Mm. It just would not be tolerated. Mm. So I get quite frustrated when I continue to see commentators um, and people saying and pointing the finger at our police, calling them racist or saying that they're suffering from unconscious bias. I reject that. Mm. I think that our police officers have to deal with whatever society throws up. Mm. And the reality of it is, if we have overrepresentation in our corrections, which we do, of Maori, 54%, that is not the fault of the police. Mm. That is not the fault of the corrections system or even our judiciary. Those are the social issues that we've got to be brave enough and strong mm. enough to stand up and start to deal with. The social investment model, mm. getting into people's eyes much earlier and stopping them from coming into the criminal justice system. Mm. Um, you know, and I, I was, look, I was humbled. I was contacted last week um, by Marmai um, Tukahe, mm -hmm. down in, who, who is an advisor to the Kingitanga right. down in Tainui. And she rung me, and I was expecting her to say to me, um, I don't agree with your youth justice policies. Um, <laughs> And uh, can we have a debate around that? And which I would have been very open to Aye. because I like being able to talk people through Aye. exactly what we're trying to achieve. But she didn't say that. She said, I support your youth justice policies. And I also agree with you that whether it be iwi, whether it be community groups, whether it be local government, central government, we haven't got it right. Mm. And actually stepping forward together and saying we're putting a line in the sand. Yeah. We're not going to tolerate the intergenerational gang membership and the harm that that mm -hmm. does anymore. We're going to take positive steps to start to address that. And I spent an hour and a half on Tainui Radio mm. talking to her about it. And she inspired me yeah. to um, to get out there and, and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, just I'm very convicted in terms of what we need to do. Um, but those sort of conversations just reinforce the importance of it. Yeah, And I mean, mad respect to um, the Waikato Tainui because they are some of the most incredible lobbyists. They, I've ever come across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she was very good at lobbying me. So. <laughs> now let's move to the election campaign right now and sort of change change up the energy of this because I know we can talk about that stuff and you know labour the point, but you know there are some good stuff happening. Tell me how it's been on the campaign trail. Yeah, right it's been, I've loved the campaign trail. Yeah. Um, because I like the human contact, yeah. and um, I've been up and down the country really, probably for the last three or four months. I think I've done over forty public meetings, Jesus. Um, and, and meetings in the community. Yeah, no, there, yeah, there's been there's been a lot of public meetings. All um, of them. Have you done more than Christopher Luxon? No, I'd say Chris. <laughs> Chris, it's a lot. Hey, Chris. Chris draws a bigger crowd than me, uh, Holland. <laughs> <laughs> mine have been uh, mine have been uh, law and order and yeah. public safety meetings. Yeah. And um, so it allows me to get into the communities, which I've really enjoyed. Mm. It feels like there's a mood for change out there, yeah. without a doubt. Um, people are very sensitive to the fact they know, excuse me, inherently that their communities are not as safe mm. as what they were. Um, they're tired with, of dealing with the crime. Um, and, of course, I think they also recognise that our police are under enormous pressure. So we had, we're doing four of these election series, Kōrero. Our first one was with Priyanka Radhakrishna, yep. and so I asked her what was the funniest or interest, most interesting thing that had happened on the doorstep, and hers was that oh, she talked to a, a lovely, more elderly um, woman, and the corridor was about um, where uh, the voters sort of being swing voters, but instead of saying swing voters, the wahine said swingers. <laughs> <laughs> 
So share with me what has been the sort of funniest or most interesting or memorable moment on the doorstep for you this campaign. Now that, that's a good question. So I definitely had, haven't knocked on the door and said, um, oh, we're a bunch of swingers. We um, had a giggle. <laughs> <laughs> was like, no, we so know what she was saying too. <laughs> I, think prob- I think probably the, the, the um, funniest memory and the thing I really enjoyed was at one of my public meetings, um, there were four ladies that turned up and they would have all been in their 80s. Yeah. And they'd had um, shirts made up and they were coming forward to present themselves as my new diplomatic protection squad. Uh, <laughs> should we should we be successful October 14? They said they, they felt that I needed protection from the gangs and, and they were willing to take that uh, that role on. And I said, well, you know, should we call, maybe we should call you Mitch's Angels then. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my yeah. god yeah, I was, love that okay we need cute. to get you a speaker box then. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, said, I said can you come on the road with me <laughs> <And> so, <you laughs> know. oh that is so lovely isn't that sweet yeah um, it, was, it was lovely what other things have people been sharing with you on the campaign trail um, I think that people inherently cost of living is really tough yeah um, you know, even up in my patch I've got young couples double income yeah um, that when you know when you mortgage goes from a two or a three mm. to a six or seven mm. and you're talking about four or five hundred bucks a week yeah. you cannot magic that up and um so they're having to access things like food banks that's never happened before um so you know it is tough mm. so without a doubt the economy cost of living and then you know close third behind that is law and order and public safety mm. um even in my own electorate of uh, former prior we've had we've been hit pretty hard mm. um we've had we've managed to keep the gangs out for a long time mm. But um, we had the Hells Angels buy commercial property in Silverdale and set up a pad there. Um, we've been hit with ram raids and aggravated robberies. Walker and Halls and um, in the Silverdale Mall was hit with a with a pretty savage aggravated robbery. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had um, disorder and violence and robberies at our Silverdale bus station, uh, which meant I called a public meeting. I got police there. I got Auckland Transport staff, our councillors, local board, and the community and. Um, we came up with a pretty good, robust plan mm. that essentially meant a higher police profile, and it's been effective in getting on top of the problem. Well, I had a meeting with our um, with Destination Oriwa, mm. which is our um, uh, represents our re- retailers, and I went there with um, uh, with our police area commander, and um, but they just highlighted the fact that minor crime, shoplifting, mm. things like that, massively increased. Um, offenders, retail offenders, now willing to be abusive. Uh, and, and use violence. Um, you know, the, I had the manager of the Prime Moor call me about three weeks ago, um, just absolutely beside himself, saying that they've had enough. Um, his security staff constantly having youth present knives and things like that. So we have not been immune to it. Um, we are definitely feeling it without a doubt up in my own community, mm. and that is pretty consistent around the rest of the country. Is there anything local that you're pushing for or that you have been pushing for that that might have been like a sort of, um, I don't want to say pet project because that kind of sounds a bit, but, you know, something that you're pushing for that you've still got on your radar and you want to achieve for your your electorate? Roading infrastructure is still really important for us. Um, A big part of our population is up on the Whangapurua Peninsula. Uh, a few years ago, we had a um, there was a fatal motor accident at the Vipuns Road mm. intersection. It basically cut the whole peninsula off, and it just reminded oh. us how how vulnerable we yeah. are, um, in particular to some sort of big civil defence um, event. Mm. 
And um, the irony of that was, as they said, well, the, the message that came back from local government was, uh, at the time, was use the ferries. But the problem was, <laughs> the old ferry drive was stuck in the traffic. So, yeah, so, so that wasn't going to that wasn't going to work too well. Um, so, uh, you big, know what you do next? Helicopters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you you, you need about five thousand. The most yeah. expensive form of transport. That's right. I'm gonna get the navy to send a couple of their oh frigates God. in. But look, look, the re- infrastructure is really important yeah. for us. Um, I was very proud of the fact that. Um, I delivered the Puhoi to Walkworth. Yeah. Um, everyone now raves about that piece of road. Mm. Um, it's definitely made Port Northland closer to us. It's everyone travelling off the Kofi coast. It's much safer. Mm. Uh, Penlink is really important. We've got to get Penlink, and we need a four-lane Penlink, not a two-lane Penlink. Mm. That project's been around a long time. I remember being a young shepherd um, shepherding on Wheaty Station, yeah. um, which is the Penlink runs through Wheaty Station, and putting in the first stake going in the ground, and that was over 30 years ago. So it's well overdue. Wait, wait. What year was that? That was back in the 80s. Oh, so yeah. pre my birth. Yes, it was. It's before you even so- born. <laughs> you, were, you, weren't, you weren't even around when the first stake went on the ground for Penleak. That's how long it's been around for. Oh, God. Um, good news is fully um, consented, um, and, we, but we, and we've committed we're going to make it four lanes, not two. Mm, mm. Um, the current commitment is to two. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, you know, we need, it needs to be four. And that'll make a big um, difference for us. Um, we've got a couple of other issues around retaining the ferry service um, yeah. out of Gulf Harbour, uh, making sure that the golf club, which sadly has just gone into liquidation, mm. um, that that is developed properly and it's not sort of intensified and, and doesn't sort of ruin the the um, the environment up there for existing for existing community. Um, KO has been difficult for us. Uh, they bought land uh, in Bonnier, which is in Millwater, um, another part of our community, but off the peninsula, and um, and decided that they were going to build quite a big social housing development in there mm-hmm. without any consultation at all mm-hmm. with our community. So um, we I worked very closely with um, some of our residents who were very active and formed a leadership group there, and we were able to um, get that stopped. We're not against housing, having mm-hmm. housing up, public housing up in our area. We want more Kiwi build. We want to be able to give young couples that have to move yeah. out of the area the opportunity to buy a home and stay in the area. But emergency housing, that KO has shown that they can't manage that. Mm. They've shown that it's a wrecking ball through um, communities with the uh, importing of gangs and, and violence and mm. antisocial behaviour. And so, um, you know, it was important that we took a stand against that um, and that we had a reset. And there's actually some proper, genuine consultation done with the broader community in terms of what do we want to see delivered in, in, around um, public housing. And you've got some very strong iwi Māori organisations in and around your electorate who could be a perfect conduit to not need a big government department to come in and stake their claim. Yeah, it, well, you know, as you know, Tama Potaka has, has taken the lead on that. He's already got a tr- proven track record of delivering social housing. And we believe in working with mm. iwi and social housing providers. Mm. Um, they're, they're the ones that are in the community. They're most they sensitive know. to what needs to be delivered, mm. and and we're fully supportive. We are supportive of community housing providers. They are very good mm. at what they do. Um, I feel very lucky. I've always had a very strong and trusted relationship with local iwi, mm. um, and they 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 recognise and are part of the community, and that's the way that they've they've chosen to always um, uh, you know approach their leadership um, within the community. It's been very good. Mm. Unfortunately, we've had a Labor government that's taken, in my view, says. Has um has actually been bad for race relations in New Zealand. Uh, they've been very divisive, um, 
and there's got to be a focus on unity again and focus on the good stuff that happens. I mean, you know what my personal view is of government doing stuff that basically community and or business can do themselves. Just move out of the way and let business and or community do it. I agree with you. And the thing that I loved about the fact when Chris Lutzen became leader is because I I agree with you completely. Um, And I've witnessed this in the police where you go through a cycle of centralisation, decentralisation. The thing that I really like about um, Chris Lutzen and his leadership is that he believes in devolution. Mm. Um, He doesn't want bureaucrats in Wellington sitting down there telling local communities what the best thing is for them. Local communities know what they need, let them identify it, and then let central government come in and support that and and deliver it. But on saying that, it then becomes incumbent upon local communities to get together, uh, work across local government, community organisations, iwi, in partnership with government and get things done, get Mm. things delivered. What have you been doing to sort of recalibrate yourself this election? Have you been doing anything to like unwind, relax, or do you just focus on go, 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 go? (laughs) To to be honest with you, it's just been go, go, go. (laughs) I'll tell you why, because um, I don't want to leave anything on the table um, come October 14. This is my fifth general election. Mm. I feel it's my most important one. Um, We've got to change the government Mm. um, because they are taking us down rabbit holes that are just nothing but bad for the country. Um, and, and we want to get us back on track again. So in terms of relaxation, I've, my dad taught me how to spearfish when I was about five or six years old. Yeah. I love the ocean. Spearfishing and being in the ocean has always been um, my passion, and that, that's how I relax. You're a big uh, fisher as well, right? Like, no, you enjoy I, I'm, not, I'm not a big rod fisherman. No? I'm, a, I'm a spear fisherman, so I'm a spearo. Oh. Yeah, I like being in the water. The, being in the water is my relaxation. That's how I get to switch off. Cell phones don't work very well. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever them. lost your cell phone in the water? No, I haven't. I've been really lucky. <laughs> yeah, I've, it's never gone overboard. <laughs> What's the, like, tell me about how you, how do you actually do that? Like, what do you, I don't even know. Are you on well, something so, or? Well, spearfishing is, is free diving okay. um, with a spear. Oh. Yeah. So, so you have, do you have a tank? No. no so no, you just you, hold your breath? Yes. Yeah, it's all about breath hold. And then, so do you have goggles or no? Yes. Yeah. yeah you have and goggles. then you. You have goggles, wetsuit. Um, yeah. Bit of a plug here for Wetty Wetsuits because yeah. um, they got one of the guys that I dive with when I can is um, Darren Shields, um, who is the founder and owner of that um, store. Very, very big in spearfishing around New Zealand. I've got mates down at Kiltuni there. Um, Luke from Luke's Kitchen. Yeah. Um, Julian Hansford and those guys. <laughs> Ho- hopefully I'll get out there and do a bit of um, bit of spearfishing with them over the summer. Although I have to say it's going to be a very short summer break, Holes, if we're um, back in government. Yeah, I think... You've got to um, be back in... So, wait, so, okay, so... If, we, if we're back in government, then the expectation is um, we'll work right up to Christmas, literally, um, and then we'll have a short, very short break over summer, Right. and we'll be back into it. There's a lot to do. So you're telling my staff that the Christmas holiday <laughs> that I may have planned for them is now not going to look like... <laughs> so to my staff, when you watch this back... If the government changes, you have Mark Mitchell to blame. Yeah, that's right. You Not your me. boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm really, I'm look, I'm energised and I am convicted. And, and I had to go through a bit of a, a personal process because mm. um, I'm very proud of my policing career, yeah. but I also had a business career overseas. Mm. And um, so when I came back, um, I, my focus, had, although public safety was really important, my focus had shifted to trade yeah. um, and economic opportunities. I didn't feel back then, bearing in mind that sort of 2010, I was overseas from sort of 2002 through to 2011. 
I didn't feel like we were doing as well as we could. Mm -hmm. I saw very bullish UK companies, American companies, Indian companies kicking doors and taking advantage of the opportunities. I didn't think that NZTA was working well for our, um, for our businesses and, and companies here in New Zealand. And, um, and John Key, I remember having a conversation with John Key about it. He says, look, we've made some changes. Peter Chris is coming in. They have been much better. better. NZTA has got very focused and they have the right people in the right place. Um, I think they're actually very good like, they are. now, like, you know. They are, they're doing well. They've come a long way. They have come a long way. Yeah. And, um, but look, um, I, and, but when Chris became leader, I asked him for the police portfolio, and I did that because mm. I, it was, for me, I was looking at this country that I love, mm. and I was thinking, you know, we're starting to look like a third-world country mm. with the amount of crime, with some of the issues that we're facing, mm. um, the lawlessness that's in the country. And so I actually rung Chris, and I said, listen, I said, would you consider... Um, giving me the police portfolio, and I sort of outlined my reasons. And so I felt very lucky that he gave me the portfolio, mm. um, and I feel very lucky that he has 100% supported me in that portfolio over the last sort of 12-plus months, or since he's been leader. Yeah. Well, that'd be two years now. Um, you know, in that time, we've had four police ministers. Um, yeah, what's going on there? I just... because, because in my view, um, Labour ha have not had a proper focus on police and on public safety. And so to them it's been, I don't want to say it's been a game, but it's certainly, they, in my view, they certainly haven't taken as seriously as what, as what they should have. It's very um, hard to encourage stability within an organisation when the top is constantly being yeah. shuttled and shuffled, and then that means priorities will consistently change. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think they've had the leadership they deserve. Um, I've been quite public about that. Um, I think that um, Andrew Costa took that sort of, embraced this policing by consent. I think it had confused the staff. Uh, no one really knew what that meant, uh, what they could do. There were policy changes that meant that police couldn't respond to violent crime. Mm. Um, you know, um, detection rates started to um, drop. You know, for example, with um, failing to stop for police, yeah. only about 4 or 5% of the offenders were ever actually um, located or apprehended. Um, you know, in, in relation now to... Um, every, for every, back in 2017, for every two jobs that came in, um, one would be responded to. Mm. Um, now, for every 10 jobs that come in, one would be responded to. So they've gone from a 50% to oh, a 10%. Golly. Yeah, and, and you know... The, and I was even thinking, God, one in two being responded to is kind of like a bit, you know? Yeah. Because it's essentially half being... that. But now it's not even... Oh, God. Yeah, so I, I, th I think that's why I'm quietly confident there's a lot that we can do in the first 12 months. Mm. Um I want the police to know that they they can feel like someone's got their back, yeah, um, and they're actually going to support them. Do you think it makes and a difference with your frontline experience? It does for me yeah. because um, number one, they can't pull the wool over my eyes. Yeah, <laughs> um, when I actually took over the portfolio, and they tried a fair bit of that. Really? Um, yeah, but <laughs> look, although although I acknowledge and, and I, my policing career was um, thirty years ago. Mm. Um, policing is pretty much the same. <laughs> you know, not a lot of things change. You've yeah. still got the bad guys and you still got... Um, so I, I just think that, um, you know, I just think that's been very helpful for me. Mm. I think the other thing is that a lot of my, a lot of the people that I served with um, are still in the police, whether or not they are still right from frontline mm. um, dog handlers through to deputy commissioners, um, right through the service. So it's given me the ability to have some real insights and windows into what's currently happening in our modern... Yeah. policing environment um so yes without a doubt and, and by the way i just love the service i just yeah. think i'm very proud of it i think that we've um got one of the best police services in the world and um you know i'll always stand by that yeah. it's just that at the moment they haven't 
I've personally believe they haven't had the leadership they, they deserve. Mm. Um, they haven't had the support, the resources on the front line. Um, they haven't had the additional powers that they need. Um, and if you start to give them that and power them up, stand back and watch and see what they can do. Mm. Um, they're, they're a very, very impressive um, police service. Mm. Yeah. So you're not going to have a long break. It sounds like if you get into government, you're going to be working hard. But aside from spare fishing, <laughs> what else are you going to be doing? I don't know if there's going to be that much spear fishing going on. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if I can promise you too much sashimi this uh, this summer, <laughs> Ollie. <laughs> um, anything else though on the cards? Like, is there anywhere you love to go with your Fano in summertime? Look, we've made a commitment. To be honest with you, I've made a commitment for three years. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to throw it. This is going to be a twenty four seven job. Okay. Um, it's not going to be an easy one. Yeah. Um, to turn things around, and it's just going to require a lot of focus and a lot of energy. And I, in my mind, I've made that commitment. Um, and I just want to get on with it. I will still try to have some uh, work-life balance, yeah. um, but I'm just realistic, and my family's realistic about what that looks okay. like, and I've got their full support, and they're 100% yeah, behind cool. me. So, Because um, I know you have a real tight-knit family, your lovely wife, or they're all like in supportive, and that's really like interesting that they're all right in behind that. Yeah, and, and look, I'm very lucky that, um, and very excited that my daughter, my oldest daughter, is 20 weeks pregnant. <gasps> so, um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Is that going to be your first Moko? Your first? It is. It is. It is. I, I, I do. Her, her husband, I, I have another grandchild, Logan, yeah, little Logan, yeah, who yeah. I love as, yeah. as if, he's, if, if he's mine, but he's um, uh, Sylvie's husband's yeah, um, okay. son. So, um, so yes, the first, first um, bloodline one. Yeah, yes, yeah, that, that's right. Wow. And um, so I'm very, very excited about that. Oh, my that. gosh. She's teaching up, both of them are teachers, and they're yep. teaching up in a remote. Aboriginal community up in the Northern Territory at the moment. Oh, wow. And they arrived back yesterday. So um, it's very nice to have them home for a bit and uh, oh, very excited about uh, the new baby arrival. I'm very thankful you didn't cancel and you still came because no, I no. probably wouldn't want to hang out with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they've just they've, they've bought a new car yep. um, or they've bought a car so they've got something here while they're here and they're yeah, just sitting cool. They're heading down the line to pick that up. So Love it. Okay. There's no problem coming Oh, great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so well, we will wrap up shortly. Um, but um, before – and what we will do is we always wrap up with the bowl of bravery, which is questions um, that have an interesting flavour to them. Uh, these ones are particularly around the election, so sort of got an election um, feel. But before we do this, to ask you to reach in and get a – question um is there anything that you want to share with our listeners and our watchers in regards to um this year's election like any final thoughts i just think that um it's really important for people to get out and vote mm. and I, I guess just remind everyone that you know we've got we've made a huge sacrifice as a country to um to protect our democracy and to um and to give everyone the, the um, right to get out and vote. Mm. Have a look at the parties, have a look at what they stand for, have a look at their policies, um, you know, and then make a decision and then just make that little bit of effort to get up, get out to a polling booth and um, and vote, either early or on um, or on E-Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be voting early. Yeah, I notice. I love the fact that in your, um, in your jar of... What do you call it? Jar of bowl truth. Bowl of yeah, oh, well, bowl of, bowl of bravery. Yeah. Jar bowl, of truth. Okay, same bowl, thing. Okay, yeah. bowl of bravery. Bowl of truth. That you have got every party there, yeah. except the party Mary party. Yeah. Could you not find any? They never come to anything I invite them to. I don't know. I've okay. invited them on. We invited them on the other podcast I do. Three girls, one beehive. 
I've invited them to several events. They just. I don't nice. understand that because I have, I, I have to admit. <laughs> I have to admit that I like going and look, you know, RNZ, you know, it doesn't matter. Martin Bradbury, one of the best um, debates ever had with, was with Martin Bradbury on, uh, on on radio. You know, like the the way to actually be, be able to have a good argument debate is to get in front of the people that yeah. don't believe in what you're trying to do and then try and convince them that it's what very, you're doing is right. It's very much the te ao Māori way. You do things kanohi ki konohi and then you have a cup of tea afterwards. Yeah. Like, that's how you leave it. I don't understand. No, so, I mean, I thought, well, I've got somebody from all of the, like, four parties and then, oh, well, I actually don't because ACT couldn't, they couldn't, I couldn't get Nicole on because she's super busy, but she had said yes, yeah, so I couldn't get it. But I thought, like, you should try Nicole. Nicole would be very good. Oh, yeah. She said yes, 100%. It's yeah. really hard. You're all quite difficult to get in the diaries because of various things happening. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right. Everyone's out on the hustings, you know. Yeah. Um, but I can't, I don't know. That's a question for Te Pāti Māori is why they never come to anything. There you go. There's so. a challenge. <laughs> Thank um, you. And uh, you know that I'm going to take a blue one, don't you? Yeah, good. I made them all <laughs> extra hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the red ones are all really easy, are they? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pay you guys all back when I used to have to do patsy questions on commerce, which yeah. go in, <laughs> in the house. <laughs> hey, you know what they say? Anything worth having, you got to fight for, right? Yeah, so, 100%. Let's give it a go. Do you want me to, un am I giving it to you to unfold? No, or? you do it. Okay. Well, that personal responsibility here. <laughs> you know yourself. Okay. Whose handwriting is this? Probably mine. <laughs> it's as bad as mine. Jeepers. I'm glad yes, that someone is bad as me. Because we're orators, we're not writers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, what, you're an orator. I don't know about me. Um, okay. Who, who has led the best campaign in political history, in your opinion, and why? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that, that's actually a really good question. Thank you. Do, do, do you do you want to know the honest truth? I think I'm going to call it for Christopher Lutzer. You reckon? Yep, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because um, I mean, I got to know Chris before he came into politics, and um, you know, I I, I admire any Kiwi that um, that works hard and goes offshore mm. and makes it in a really tough environment, mm. right? And he did that. Mm. Um, at the same time, he's a he's a man of integrity and values. And um and I just you know I I I got huge admiration for him, mm. and um and Sarah and I are lucky that we've got a good friendship with um with him and Amanda, mm. um and he, when you think about what he's done, uh he's come into politics. This is his first term, mm. and he took the party on, and um he's reunited, and and fixed and repaired and got us ready for an election and and um reinstated gave public confidence again that we're ready to um, govern. Yeah. And then he's come into the campaign. And by the way, in, his, um, in that first sort of 18 months, the media hammered him, mm. right, and put him under enormous pressure. Mm. Uh, a lot of it, in my view, unfair, but, you know, that's I, I would say that. Yeah. Um, but it actually toughened him up, and it showed that whether or not he had the resilience uh, and, and the toughness to actually absorb that pressure, which, mm. of course, he did. And now he's leading us in a great campaign mm. um, where it's every single day out on the hustings, mm. lots of energy. Uh, he inspires and, and encourages the team to keep going, and um, and I think that this is, like I said, this is one of the most important um, campaigns for us uh, as a, as a country, 
And um, and I think that he's going to be a great prime minister. Mm. And I think he's going to be the prime minister that we need mm. um, right now um, for this time in history. So he's got the background, he's got the knowledge, he's got the experience, he's got the heart, um, he's got the integrity. And um, I think that he'll be a great leader and I think that he's doing a great job on the campaign. So what you're really saying to me is I should have put an asterisk on that question and said, you cannot say you're coming. <laughs> 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 um, and I, what I would say too is hat tip to you and everyone who puts themselves out there to campaign because campaigning is hard yeah it's um, look for me it's probably not as hard because I genuinely love mm. the human contact yeah. um, and it sort of fills your tank a bit yeah. uh, now it's probably been a little, un- little unfair because um, 2020 was a tough um, yeah, yeah, was a yeah, tough yeah. campaign when Kiwis inherently are, are quite polite yeah. um, when, they, when they won't look you in the eye you know that things are not going well, right? Um, but uh, but this campaign's been very different, yeah, yeah. and there's been lots of positive um, interaction, and that sort of fills the tank a bit mm. and energizes you and, and keeps you going. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah. if people want to, if our listeners and our watchers want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, well, you can text me on o two one o seven five nine five zero one. That is my own personal number. A lot of people have always been. Are you uh, sure you want that out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, listen, I have my number has always been available to everyone in my electorate. Holy um, Because we have unfortunately we have had um, weather events. Yeah. Um, we've had all sorts of things where people sometimes feel like they need to reach out to someone, mm. and um, and it's ne- I can put my hand on my heart and say that has never been abused. Really. That I've, that I've never had um, uh, any sort of nasty messages or no it's been it's been respected and i've just felt personally i'm not saying this to anyone else it's just been yeah, me yeah, and, 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 and the way that i've wanted to yeah. um to deal with my electorate yeah. and uh, and the job that i do that's what i've done wow um they can obviously use my email address yeah. which is mark.mitchell at parliament.govt.nz uh, look the the heart that to be honest with your holes the toughest part of this campaign for me um is because i've had um police it's meant that I've had to get around the country yeah. and um, support our candidates, support our MPs and hold public meetings and allow the public to come out and have their say mm-hmm. and give me direct feedback, which has actually been really important. Mm. The tough thing for me is it's taken away, taken me away from my own electorate a mm. bit during the campaign trail, and I've actually really felt that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sort of the last, as we head into the last two weeks, um, I'm going to try and be... Um, as present as I can yeah. uh, inside my own patch. Yeah, great. You're going to get out of the new market. Get, get back over there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. To come here, share about things that are super, super important for this country to talk about and also just having the corridor, Like Absolutely. being able to talk about these quite hard issues in a way that's actually quite um, like, Mana enhancing, like feels good to talk about it and actually gets the the narrative going, right? Yeah, I, I, I love these talks because often with um on the campaign trail you're you're sort of limited sound bites, to soundbites. Right? Yeah. yeah. And um and you can never really have a proper discussion or a mm. proper debate or try to get your point across, um, when you're living in a soundbite. Yeah. And I get it. Uh, that's how media works and yeah. people need to consume things quickly and, mm. and move on. But it's nice to come into this sort of um, podcast environment where you can actually have a bit of a chat. I've got to say, it's definitely my domain. After with my papa and all his experience, he said your sound bites suck. I realised, yeah, well, it's probably because I'm not made for sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> sound bites are media. But... I, th- I think your signature is your laugh holes. 
It always it always has been. <laughs> we know, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Hence why producer Nayan has my mic further away from me than yours is closer to me. I'll tell you what, that's where I always loved when we were actually last time we were in government in the beehive. I always knew when you were coming because I could hear your laugh. And the, normally in the uh, elevator before you even hit the floor. I so. know. <laughs> and I used to, when I'd appear on level nine, they'd be like, what do you want? Before I'd even go there, I'd be like, coming to Chikanoia. <laughs> that's right. Uh, thank you so much. You're Best welcome. of luck for the campaign. And yeah, I you. really look forward to chatting with you in the future and have a really beautiful short summer break. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Oz. I appreciate it. Hopef- that, oh, hopefully yeah. have me back um, post-October 14th. Yeah, we'd um, love to. As Minister of Police. Oh, okay. Uh, I'd love to come back. Amazing. And give everyone an update. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode of Quite Simply Politics. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Of course, if you want to reach out to Mark, he shared lots of amazing contact details, including his number, so get in touch with him. Remember to like and subscribe and share this with anyone that you think may be interested in politics so we can get them as part of our Quite Simply Politics Whanau too. We'll see you in the next episode, which is coming up shortly. Kakite.